0: And thanks for tuning in to the Reenactors Ramble for another episode discussing this peculiar and addictive hobby of ours. Now, this week, we are talking all about what makes a good reenactor. We're talking about the attributes needed to be the metaphorical top of the reenacting trumps, so to speak. uh, And to provide a very balanced opinion Uh, this week, I am joined by my very good friend, Lance, once again, who joins me on a midweek afternoon across the Atlantic. Thank you so much for for taking the time on on a midweek afternoon again, Lance.
1: Thanks, Richie. It's a pleasure to be here as always.
0: Great. It's great to have you. And, uh, and on this day, I was looking back as well just to see what significant events have been happening around this time. And in 1944, on this day, the, the U.S. forces actually defeated the remaining Japanese resistance in Guam. And in 1945, oddly, just uh, just a year on, the Japanese announced uh, they would surrender after the bombing of, of, of Nagasaki. And that, that brought me onto thinking as well, Lance. is uh, is you know what do you think about the pacific theater of war Marine acting is, is i know it's huge in the states do you um do you have any pacific kit have you got any sort of i guess specific interests over there
1: you know it's interesting it's been it's been growing uh over here for the longest time it was difficult to find um mm-hmm. years ago i started putting together a marine corps kit so mm-hmm. if the opportunity ever came to go out and do marines i'd, I'd just love to do it um, yeah it's just not real big up here in the pacific northwest i think there's one event in the summertime right. and unfortunately i missed it this
2: year okay
0: it's quite similar uh you know in the uk there's I, I think i think i know one guy that maybe does it um he's called jack uh he does he does bring car and i don't really know anyone that does i mean i've got a uniform like that just about fits i've got a nice cap just behind me in there as well i came with a group and it's something i've always wanted to do but it's uh it's just like you say for whatever reason it's just not quite there but there is actually a chap um in the States, um, who's going to come on in like, hopefully in the next few weeks. Uh, need to catch back up with him. Uh, the guys, guy was involved in uh, an actual reenactment event, which I believe represented Guadalcanal. It looked like the on one of the islands, whether they were actually on Guadalcanal or not. I'm not sure, but it looked insane.
1: The, was that the recent uh, Watchtower event that just happened? I think
0: happened. it was, yeah. Was it about what? Yeah, six ago?
1: yeah that it. that. I, I've been seeing that. It looks amazing. I think they have a, I believe they did that in Ohio. Right. And they're already planning an event for next year. Because uh, I, I reached out to the guy as soon as I mm. saw it. I don't remember where it is, um, but if I have the ability to make that one, I think yeah, I definitely it, make it.
0: It looked awesome, and I, mean, I was like, you know, this this looks like Guadalcanal, you know, or any one of those island, um, you know, battles. So I was just like, I really been looking to speak to about it one because I don't really know anybody that does the Pacific, but it looked like a real awesome immersive event.
1: It, it did, and, and I, I like the fact that they went out and did it for a full three or four days living yeah. in the field yeah. in the woods, and, and it looked good. Yeah, it it looked was really awesome. good. Every one of those guys awesome. looked fantastic.
0: I'm not sure if they've got the heat. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but in the UK, we've certainly got the Pacific uh, heat. It's, it's about 32 degrees Celsius, which is, was that over 100, I think, in Fahrenheit over there. It's, it's, it's sweltering yeah, here.
1: Yeah, I think so. We've had we've gone through a heat wave uh, here normally. It's not this hot. Um, it, it's a cool day today um mm. and it's going to heat up to be over 100 later on this week but wow. uh, we've got air conditioning i don't know you guys over there don't all have
0: air <laughs> we definitely don't we have terrible fans that we get out of the loft you know the attic one, once a year basically it's uh, <laughs> not very not very fun let me tell you that I, my tactic is generally to have a couple of these cold ones and that helps me to uh, to get to sleep this is rather neat anyone watching on youtube I, I found this in the cupboard earlier my memory of uh uh 2019 the 75th anniversary of normandy from from st mary Glees, so Looking forward to uh, to getting awesome. more of these, hopefully, next year. Yeah, nice little, nice little mentors there. First drinking quite a while for me. I think I've had like two drinks in eight weeks, which is just not like me. Longer than that, 10, 12 wow. weeks. It's crazy. Yeah, big thing for me.
1: I'm not used to seeing you without a beer in your hand.
0: No, me neither. Which is why I thought I would uh, I would grace you with one this <laughs> evening, Lance. But anyway, you know how how, is, how has your life been in the uh, the hobby the last uh, since the last four or six weeks uh, since we caught up? You know, have you oh. invited any kit. You got to any events? Doing anything fun?
1: I have I have been on a on a, a spree of, of buying kit, So, um, I'd like to hear <laughs> back, back in April. I, I went to, um, I was back out at uh, the world war II airborne demonstration mm. team for our annual training and ran into some guys who, um, uh, did Polish. And, mm. uh, so that got me do putting my Polish kit together. Um, right. independent Polish brigade. Um, I, you'll be proud of me, Richie, my, just the other day. My what price glory Central Europe battle dress pattern mm, forty nice, battle nice. dress arrived. I um, will be turning that into um, uh, uh, a private in the Polish independent parachute battalion. Nice. Um, I'm excited for that. I had What, what do you think a, of the quality as well,
0: Lance? Just just very quickly on there on that Panther what price glory battle dress. How do you feel about the quality? You know, having ha- presumably had other versions of battle dress uh, previously.
1: I, I have a few others. So I have an original Canadian battle dress mm. that I've got as a Canadian uh, mm. parachute uh, battalion. I have a uh, what price score in the United States uh, battle dress top. Mm. And um, the Panther, what price glory in Central Europe is far and away better than the, the mm. battle dress top you get here in the States. And it is of uh, equal quality. And, you know, of the Canadian one mm. that I have, um, the wool is fantastic. The, the, um, the assembly and, and sewing is amazing. Mm. It fits, it fits mm-hmm. really well. And, and that was my biggest worry because all the way over here, you know, it takes about three, four weeks to get here. Um, not really, uh, as familiar with battle dress sizing, they were, they were, they were helpful and I was able to get it sized up. Um, hmm. And it fits beautifully. Uh, once yeah, I get it I'll done, I'll share some pictures.
0: Oh, awesome. Like I, photo. I
1: just, just today, and I have yet to unbox it, I had a, a, a BC 611 SCR 536 handy talkie arrive. Nice. I'm excited for that. I'm going to try to get that working. And then the big purchase, well, I have two things. So um, back in, I told you I've been on a spree. Back in April, when I was in um, back jumping on airplanes, I ran into a guy from the Pacific Northwest, and he has a Jeep, but he had no trailer mm-hmm. uh, for the Jeep, and I had a trailer and no Jeep, and so we did a little trade, and um, so I acquired his sixty millimeter mortar
2: nice, um, setup
1: nice. for my trailer. He feels like he got the better end of the deal, and I feel like I got the better end of the deal. So that was, was a win. that was a win. That's a great trade. And then my last biggest piece was, um, I acquired, these I mean, you know, me, I, I love the airborne. It doesn't matter, matter what nature, what country it is. It's just something that's, I, uh, I grew up with and I picked up a, uh, an RZ 20 Fall Schmieger parachute complete. Mm-hmm. Nice. So it's, it's in, it's in good shape. Um, the, the canopy is in good shape. The suspension lines are iffy, but the harness is complete, uh, Nice deployment bag is there. um It's all together. I'm going to put it on a mannequin. I'll share pictures of that when I'm done with it too. So it's been it's nice. been busy since we last talked.
0: Yeah, some good purchases, no doubt.
1: What about you? Anything exciting? You're, you're getting ready to go to Arnhem, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've been banging about it for two years <laughs> on the podcast because it's been cancelled <laughs> and moved back every every single time. But yeah, looking looking forward to that. It's been a bit crazy few weeks. Um purchases again i promised it i would i would start picked up a nice original tank suit uh, another original glengarry that i've been after for a while um i'm definitely going to show that on youtube at some point because there's a lot of misconceptions around glengarry's around what is an original glengarry and what isn't and in fact i'm going to get out and show it now because there's a lot of things that i noticed on instagram um which are a little bit wrong and i think it's a good educational lesson so super So very quickly, apologies for that. So uh, anybody who's watching on YouTube, if you've got a Glengarry... God, I can't even speak. A Glengarry Union looking at purchasing one. So if you look very, very closely at the weave of the wool just in here, what you'll notice is that the the actual wool is it's sewn together all as one piece. Very, very closely there. Um, but what you'll notice on Glen Gary's that are post-war is that there is a bit of a separate line. There's a bit of a ridge where the the regular wool meets the uh, the tartan check just in there. And you can see on a wartime that it is uh, it's weaved and it's intertwined in there and there's no ridge. So anybody who's looking to purchase a, a Glen Gary there, um, just make sure that you get a wartime one because to the to the keen eye, they'll spot it a, a million miles away as well but ironically i've been looking for one for about two years in my size and found this one which is pretty much perfect with a sticker in had to come back from the states <laughs> which is <laughs> quite interesting so who knows uh but yeah that's a that's a little piece there but not much else really um i've been trying to be good but not being able to uh but you know nothing hugely significant but you know, I, I I sort of had a word with myself the other day, and I think I think it's important to sort of mention this, and we're going to do a full full episode on um, mental health, probably. I think just around the hobby and, and how it equates. And I I had to have a bit of a, a TED talk with myself really the other day, just about you know admitting certain issues, and you know I've always had a. A degree of, of compulsive behavior in my life of, of impulsive compulsive behavior where I, I i get very obsessed with things very quickly and i have to act on them um my brain doesn't let me think of anything else and I, that's one of the reasons that i end up purchasing so much stuff cause i see and i think i need that and i don't need it um and i have to sometimes rationalize with myself and um and try to t- talk myself down off that ledge that i don't need that 500 pound item that i'm probably never going to use for the next three years just because it would look good in my collection um you know and i think it's as much as i employ investing on this podcast and i employ purchasing things when you can and sometimes using credit and finance and things like that at the same time it's okay just to say no as well i just want to point out there as well um because i 100% agree myself. yeah so it's just you know and i think likewise as you mentioned um we had, we're talking off air earlier i've been so busy the last four or six weeks with getting ready for arnhem the podcast work trying to um, you know, like get a, a trailer serviced, for example. You know, it's like the cost there huge, huge cost to get the trailer serviced, and problems with the jeep and fixing that. And life can sometimes become a, a big giant ball of stress when the hobby is is also quite a big part of your life. And sometimes I think it's important that you can just put down the hobby, you know, for a few days, a few hours, a few weeks. Uh, take yourself away from eBay, the Facebook marketplace, events, organizing, that sort of stuff. Um, and just relax because it's a hobby. And I've had to sort of just top myself down a little bit and say, chill, you know, it's okay. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. The hobby isn't going anywhere. Just relax.
1: I, uh, yeah, I have go through similar, similar, similar conversations with myself on a regular basis, mm-hmm. a couple of times a year. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel that.
0: I think it's needed because it it, it can run away and I'm guilty of it a lot because obviously, you know, I have the podcast and I speak to some amazing people and these people, similar to yourself, inspire me every day and I see people doing cool things and I I want a piece of that. I want to be like that or I want to aspire to reach those heights and be involved in things and it's very difficult to see, you know, potentially people at events and and if you can't get to an event, your only way of, of, you know, potentially matching that sense of euphoria sometimes that you get from being at an event as I do is, is by purchasing things or... You know podcasting or whatever that might be
1: yeah i totally get it i i've had to like i mentioned that whole slew of things that i've acquired recently mm-hmm. um uh particularly earlier today when the radio arrived i was like huh i probably should pause for a while it's time to take a <laughs> couple of month break and you have that yeah yeah when the, when the, when the when postman sorted. or a
0: woman when the postman or woman knows knows your name by heart you know i went to the uh, yeah. post obviously the day and she was like oh hello mr leeson i was like oh hi whoops <laughs> <laughs> but never mind but alas <laughs> anyway so we'll, we'll move on to the subject of, of, of today's uh, episode which is uh which is about what is it to be a good reenactor what makes a good reenactor um now you know you and i are going to have uh we, we haven't talked about this so we don't know what, what we're going to think uh you know of our each of our opinions but i asked the audience and listeners out there to um to mention what they thought makes a good reenactor out there um and we got hundreds and hundreds of comments so i I fortunately can't read them all out there and i would love to put your name to those comments but there was just so many um but what i tried to do was just group the the sort of you know hundred or so comments that we had into into a few sort of uh i guess consolidated topics as such or, or mentions that we had there, one of them which is quite funny, which I must mention was Guinness. That was one that stood out. Guinness <laughs> makes a good real actor. I'm inclined to agree on that one. But um, so, so I've basically pulled them into four points. And This is what the audience have got, and you know, I guess we can go in whether we agree or disagree, and any uh, differing or contrasting points that we might have as well. So, the first, um, I guess, consolidated topic was uh, was a researched uh, was being well well researched and, and well knowledge to create a strong impression. Um, so I guess just the, the having the, the, the core theme behind that and the, uh, the repetitive messages that we seen seeing was just that you have to do your research and that um, you should you know, know a lot about the impression that you're doing. The second one was uh, passion and dedication. They were very, very recurring comments. Um, another area that we had was approachability, approachability friendliness and humility. And the last one was very much about an acceptance of criticism and a willingness to learn. So before we go into much more detailed viewpoints there, Lance, is, is that something, I guess, is a bit of a ballpark, you know, high level of view that you sort of, you know, agree with or contrast with?
1: Yeah, I, you know, all of those are really good points, I think. Um, and, you know, we've been trying to do this episode for a while now, and and I've been thinking about, you know, what's important to me and, and all of those or what I think and all of those are there. I think, um, hearkening back to one of your guys' earlier episodes, um, be more like Bull, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um, and be kind. And, and it fits under the approachable piece. Be kind, be willing to coach
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and, um, and help others, um, and be a team player. Mm -hmm. I think, um, you see a lot of, a lot of, uh, you see a lot of people that, aren't team players, but you see just mm-hmm. as many that are. I um, mean, it's just something to be, I think is important
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, to be And And I asked some of my friends what they think and, and, and what they, um, you know, I said, I'm going to do this conversation with Richie and w- about, you know, what makes a good reenactor and what do you guys think? And all of those points that they mentioned um, almost to a person. Um, mm-hmm. uh, research was always at the top of, Definitely. of those and, and I think, um, and that's a tough one, though, research. You mm-hmm. know, if particularly if you're a youngster, you you, you may not, youngster, um, <laughs> you know, if you're young in the hobby, mm-hmm. you may not yep. necessarily yep. know where to start. Um, you know, we get a lot of, if you're out doing an event, a public event, particularly, you'll yeah. get, get a lot of folks come up and they'll ask where to start or how do I get started or they want get, to get involved. And,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, uh, it's always a tough one.
0: Yeah, and that, that's a, a good place to start is that, I guess, that first topic that a lot of the listeners out there mentioned, which is that research and, and, and well-knowledged sort of mindset to create a strong impression. And, um, you know, I had a, a good read through them again yesterday when um, when we got this episode planned and it was trying to, I guess, limit it, uh, connect with it my, from my own experiences and and, and, they're, and they're right and it, it sort of inspired me over the last few weeks. You know, again, i, I got to go back to Arnhem just because it's, it's something that I've been planning for a while and... I realised probably a good, a good eight, eight weeks ago now that, although I've I've known of what what happened there, and I've known about who was involved, and I've known about you know some of the problems and some of the, the what happened on some of the days, I sort of thought to myself, hang on a second, you know, if you're going over here for the first time and you're putting such an effort in, I need to be much more well researched. I need to know exactly what happened where on each day if i'm traveling to these places i want to be able to go there and know and be able to almost recite off for my own mind and for people that are with me this is what mm-hmm. happened here this is who was here um you know i want to know the exact reasons that people went to places and you know it just made me realize that actually so you know every day since i've been reading books podcasts movies documentaries about about it just so that when i go there it's like do you know what i'm the most well researched that i possibly can be because You know, if you're traveling all that way and you waited so long and you put so much into an impression, if you can experience that environment of a battlefield with, you know, more knowledge than you ever thought possible, you're going to gain so much more out of it. And then in return, when you get back and you try and position what you've saw and you've learned, you've experienced on those battlefields back at an event, you know, it's it's going to be so much more fulfilling, not only for me, but for the group and for the public, if I can explain to them exactly what happened, right. Okay. You know, on this day, this happened and so on and so on, you know, all of those sort of small details that you get. So that's, that was a, a really, really sort of important lesson for me, you know, and that you can always be a little bit more research as well. Um, and I guess just on the whole knowledge thing really as well, it's, it's about not rushing that knowledge as well. You know, like no one, no one's expecting you to, um, you know, if you start an oppression, you're you're not going to understand every single, um, you know, company battalion action from every kind of uh, battle that they made. took place in throughout the second world war, where they were stationed in January, 1943. And no one's expecting that, but, I think what no. people are expecting to to qualify as a as a good reenactor is is a, a basic core understanding, and I, I think the way I would look at it is if if you can at least know a paragraph of, of that regiment, uh, that battalion's history that you can perhaps repeat or speak about to uh, you know a member of the public, another reenactor, somebody within your group, or perhaps pass on to a, a more junior member of the reenacting community, like you mentioned. Then I think that's like a core amount enough. You know, I'm never a big believer in wearing a uniform unless I've got that sort of elevator paragraph of. This is who they were. This is what they did. You know, it's like you're doing. You know, I've got the uh, the Kings on Scottish border as Glen Gary. There, it's like if you can tell me that the Seventh Galloway's job was to protect the landing zones at that uh, drop zones at Arnhem, I'm satisfied. You know enough about that regiment Mm -hmm. to qualify what it is you're doing. If you've got no idea other than they were a red barrier and you don't know anything more, then it's not enough for me. So I don't know if if that's something you sort of agree with, or do should should be no more than that.
1: I think you know it. it i I don't think your research knowledge is um is i'm trying, how do i it, it it's kind of it's not just linear linear mm. um you can be a good reenactor and just and it'd be your first event you could be a good reenactor and it'd be yeah. your five hundredth event you could mm-hmm. be a crappy reenactor and it be your 500th event. I think mm-hmm. um, it's a there's a there has to be a willingness and desire to learn more, um, and and then apply that knowledge as you go. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's and it can all be it can be situational as well. I, I really like what mm-hmm. you were talking about when you're talking about uh, I know a lot about this, but I need to know more. So mm-hmm. so that's a hunger to know more and a hunger to improve your experience and those around you. I I do that every time I go to Normandy is um, I'm a big 501st guy, always have mm-hmm. been served in the 501st. It's, it's where I'm going to go and talk to veterans and all of that. And so whenever I go over there, I really try to, to improve my knowledge of where I'm going to be if i'm standing on drop zone c i really want to know as much as i can about drop zone z i'm going to know see i'm going to know more about what's going on around that area than the guys that were there you know yeah and completely, um, completely. and um, it's almost um i want to i i really like to be to a point where i can close my eyes and visualize 80 years ago in my head um and at the risk of sounding way off my rocker it's almost a spiritual thing mm-hmm. um and um to me that's my version of a good living historian yeah completely yeah re-enactor. It's, it's
0: having it's, it's like almost having that that narrative on autoplay you your know, in, in your mind if if, if you yeah. can recall those times and events and moments you know i think and i think that is positioning you as an elite level And you know? i think that, that if you can get to that standard i think it's putting you right up there there's nothing more than i admire when i speak to somebody about. A subject, a regiment, a vehicle, a weapon, an aircraft, whatever it might be, and that person has just this wealth of knowledge that they can recall without even trying, and it's so ingrained in their very, very core being. That you know, for me, that is just, and that's that's what inspires me to go off and do new impressions and experience these things because it's just that you know. But we should also, I guess, provide a sense of reality as well that you you can't you know unless you're a full time historian, you can't necessarily be <laughs> can't. that. You no, know, he can't be that depth, depth of it, an expert right on on everything you know um and it's fine to have that car knowledge and I think for me it's about you know like I mentioned if you 've got that elevator paragraph of a regiment or a battalion whatever it might be you've also got the car knowledge of the basic uniform um mm-hmm. and that's that you know that's enough to be you know to pass that sort of brushstroke take of a of a a good reenactor as well and i think it's it's knowing your limits as well you know if we're talking about i guess knowledge and how that goes into creating a strong impression it's it's about understanding your limits. And if, if you don't know, um, you know, when I started doing flying kit, it was like, I I know about the people that f- flew these aircrafts. So I knew more about the aircraft than I did about the kit of people wearing them, mm-hmm. uh, flying them, sorry, or, or oper- operating within them. And at that point, it was like, I'm, I am not going to dive into this world of expensive um, air kit, uh, air crew kit, sorry, before I found out more. And, you know, that was, it was buying books. It was speaking to um you know, colleagues, friends of mine. Um, and it was about, you know, knowing my limits and your budget as well. You know, if you can't, what I would like to see, I guess, as well, is is people doing a very basic impression well, you know, rather than doing uh, a, a more advanced combat or flight impression very, very badly. You know, you're much better sticking with your Panther Battle Dress, as you mentioned there, getting that bang on, having your headwear right, having your boots right. You know, that is much more impressive than having... All the gear, but it being terrible gear and it being terribly inaccurate, yeah. because you just you just lose all of that sort of effort.
2: Then,
1: yeah, I hundred percent agree. I think in many cases, particularly when you're starting out, an impression less is more.
2: Mm-hmm. Agree. Yeah.
1: Um. Mm-hmm. You know, don't go buy a package deal someplace.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, Completely
1: agree. Know, start. Start with the basics and, and work out from there. And yeah, you know, an American GI impression's relatively easy. A good pair mm-hmm. of thirty-seven pants um a good wool shirt good quality world shirt whether it's a reproduction mm-hmm. like for big guys like me or an original um and your webbing and and good good pair of boots and and um leggings
2: mm-hmm. uh, and a helmet completely.
1: and as, as long as those as long as those are good you can do uh any gi right, yeah. to you, to the end of the world
0: so, yeah just rebadge it and you're pretty much done and as, with that as well, I would say, you know, don't rush in too fast and I can be completely guilty of this because of some of the, the factors that I mentioned a little bit earlier, but before you go and spend that money or, you know, make that purchase, seek advice because I, I hate it when I've got, you know, potentially people in our group or other people that I've met and friends and they go, oh, look, I've, I've I've bought this and I'm like, oh, great, that's really good, but that's post-war, you know. Um, yeah. So, you know, like then Gary here, that's a perfect example. There's, how many of these had I sent to uh, to a friend of mine before, I understood what was wartime and what was post-war. But until I was really, 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 really sure, I was every single time, is this right? Is this right? Is this right? And and, and every time he was like, no, no, it's not. But had I rushed I, in, I would have 10 post-war Glenn <laughs> that weren't very good, you know,
1: so. I, you make a really good point, is I think, um, is you can find a mentor in that particular area mm-hmm. who does have more experience. They can even, you know, um, they... They don't have to be somebody who's old, but they mm-hmm. can be somebody who's, who's old in that particular impression or has mm-hmm. a lot of experience in it. Um, yeah. That's one of the things that I, I've done, um, and it took me a long time to get there as I grew up. And it's like, all right, I want to go learn about um, Canadian Airborne. Who do I mm-hmm. know that does Canadian Airborne mm-hmm. and, what, you know, and, and get them to, to point me in the right direction so I can um, get the right battle dress because it yes. is different. Completely. And I would have never known that without help.
0: Absolutely, I think that's a, that's another really good indicator of what is a good reenactor, and I think it's both sides of that. It's people who are seeking out that mentorship and advice, and it's people who are also giving it and displaying it when possible. You know, and I've got several out there. You know, I've I've got Dale who's who's often kept me on the on the right lines throughout the last ten years, and um Gary Bainbridge is up there. He's always somebody who I can just throw a message at any time, be it about vehicle markings. He's helped me innumerably with with lots of things like that um over the years, and is very happy to offer advice um zippy who came on the podcast a while ago you know there's this this i've got probably three or four people out there who have helped me to no end and uh you know and have been those mentors and and equally from from that i think they're fantastic reenactors for providing that advice you know as well and not just harnessing it in which i'll uh i'll come to a little bit later as well i
1: you you, you know when we were talking a minute ago and you were talking about the the depth of knowledge on you know whether it's weapons or aircraft mm-hmm. or vehicles It made me wonder, and this is probably a whole other podcast, um, so I won't dwell on it. But is what is a reenactor?
2: Good point. um,
1: Because we have, um, we both know people who are really into vehicles, but they don't put a lot of effort into the uniforms or they put just enough effort into the uniform. But they know vehicles and they could tell you everything about, you know, what bolt went where and how it was marked and, uh, and why, um, and they've got this wealth of knowledge. Are, are they reenactors?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, I, and I've been meaning to you sort know, of revisit this conversation. Yeah. Because we, you know, episode one was like, what is reenacting? That's, that's what we did way back in, uh, August, 2020, you know, two, two 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 years ago now. Actually, yeah, happy birthday to the Reenactors Rumble. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I think it might actually be our anniversary today. Two years, we'll find out. Anyway, long story short, <laughs> episode one was about what is reenacting. We went through that, and I'm really keen to sort of you know readdress that and see what it is. But you're totally right. I mean, yeah, I mean a, re- a good is people like just display their vehicle, have it in great condition. I'm I'm quite happy that it covers you know a breadth of things really as well but i think you're totally right you know it's there's there's living historians there's historians that i think they're all encompassed in this 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 world to me and i think everything that we're talking about probably applies you know whether it's research and mentorship i think that still applies to vehicles it applies just to general uh, knowledge and you know um, interest in in world war ii history as well
1: i think you're right it's it's interesting. I. I I mean, it's, the pandemic has given uh, given me opportunity to think about a lot of things at a little bit mm-hmm. more depth, and and that was one that uh, I've thought about recently is what what yeah. is a reenactor? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's a very interesting topic and one that we should probably revisit and revisit the whole hobby um, and and see how it contrasts with our episode two years ago. And now, no second on that, our sort of consolidated list from audience feedback was passion and dedication. Um, and you know the, there's a lot of different comments that went into that um i guess a lot of it was about showing your desire to be the best you can be it was about some of the smaller details it was about polishing your boots um you know constantly looking to improve it was about ironing small details your hair facial hair you know so i guess this passion and dedication really came in what we mentioned earlier in that that, mm-hmm. really that core knowledge that you've got um but applying the care to that core knowledge as well really you know so it's 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 all well and good knowing as you mentioned the the basic uh impression for a, a 1940s usgi but it's no good theoretically in our listeners view and also in my own view in potentially having a, a beard or um you know not polishing your boots for some sort of dress scenario if you're in a class A and you're out, you're you know you may be at some sort of event which is replicating a you know uh an air crew or you know troops who are potentially on leave in a city or a town somewhere in that sense so i think it's it's you know that's a big thing for me as well is just taking that core knowledge and just making sure that you apply it right with your body really i guess in that sense and and your efforts Uh,
1: i mean we're in a very visual hobby Mm. you know it's a very presentation oriented hobby um very true um and and, you know we we in many cases put on these uniforms attend these events to do a bit of time travel in our mind. Mm And so making sure our personal presentation and helping others with their personal presentation, Mm -hmm. I think is very, very important. And it's also situational. We were just talking about um, that, that awesome uh, Marine Corps reenactment back in Ohio. Mm -hmm. Um, Those guys were doing, you know, at some point in the battle of Guadalcanal, we don't know what point, but they had beards. You know they mm-hmm. had a few days' growth, which yeah, would have yeah. been appropriate for that.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um, um, and their 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 gear looked beat up and dirty and mm-hmm. worn, and, and and that's also I think part of the part of the uh, uh, presentation factor as well as knowing what you're doing. Whether I'm going to a dance, so I need to be spit mm-hmm. um, spit shine shoes and clean shaven and pressed uniform. Yeah, or I'm going to be uh, out in the woods, so I need to be sweaty, stinky, Completely. and dirty.
0: Yeah, it's that it's that dedication element, and um, you know, it's there's nothing worse I hate sometimes than seeing somebody who's got like good kit and and who mentions that they're really interested in World War Two history, but you know, sat there vaping on a on a public display or something like that, or <laughs> you know, eating a packet of crisps or like a you know, you just sort of think, well, you know, come on, you 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 know, you, you basically at that point the passion isn't there, it's it's just social at that point. So it's about, you know, seeing it through for me. That's what the passion and the dedication is about mm-hmm. because you've shown so much passion and dedication to invest in the equipment to travel, a, you know, 100 or thousands of miles sometimes in your case in the States to get to that event. So just see it through, you know, just see it through those, those smaller details a little bit. And I'm not talking about filling your small pack with, you know, foot power and things like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about having a good haircut polishing your boots um having your facial hair speak and act with passion speak to the public like you care you know someone says oh what are you doing oh we just we just we just play dress up No, no 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 let's go back to that core elevator paragraph that we mentioned about the regiment speak with passion you know because whether like it or not i always think that we've got a responsibility at these shows you know by putting that uniform on and representing the museum that you're potentially at or the showground that you're at, you're therefore granted a responsibility to educate the public. And that, that, that should weigh heavy on your shoulders. And in my personal opinion, anyway, you you know, people might be free to disagree with that, but I think that's where that passion and dedication really should come in where, you know, you've, you've got those details, right. And you're displaying that, that enthusiasm and energy for the subject that you're actually, you know, there to represent.
1: I a hundred percent agree. I think. Um, and again, it's, that's all, it's on that linear piece, right. Or if Mm -hmm. you're new, everybody's understanding you only know X, Y, Z, and that you're Mm -hmm. going to, you know, make mistakes. And then if you're um, uh, a more seasoned in that impression, then your standards should be a little different, um, I think. And um, I would hope anyway. And then there's, I think there's also responsibility for, um, for those of us, that have been in our hobby or in our particular impression for a while, um, and have gotten to a certain level to set the example, to coach, to um, lead, to lead the younger ones or the newer folks. I keep saying younger; it's a horrible, I should stop doing that. But the newer folks to mm-hmm. the the standards that we aspire to see, and I think um, adhering to your personal standards. I think adhering to unit standards and codifying mm-hmm. that at the unit level. So people understand what's expected of them. Yeah,
2: it,
1: that helps them get there. And it improves not only, um, our experience of the, of the event or the hobby, but mm-hmm. that, that new trooper, whoever they happen mm-hmm. to be, um, yeah. their experience. And then it translates into, um, experience that the public has or other units have with mm-hmm. us i think
0: absolutely yeah i completely agree and the uh, the next subject that we had in our nice consolidated list again was was approachability friendliness and humility um and that was very very common um i would i would probably say that outweighed most of the other comments realistically within that um and that was that was very very interesting and i think i, I don't know about the states but in the, in the uk there's uh Certainly, online there is uh, on Facebook in a lot of the groups that we have. There's, there's certainly been a lot of uh, conflict, social conflict, should I say? Um I'm going to going to use the word bullying, uh, harassment. um, You know, the, the very, very appropriate words for some of the stuff that's that's gone on in, in the UK. Um, and to put it very, very bluntly, and to remove my filter and put a, a warning on this episode, there, there's just too many dickheads in this hobby. Basically, Um that one I just. <laughs> Tear people down for no reason. Um, bullies who actively look to they actively look to inbox people and tell them how shit they looked at an event. You know, and that is just it's just not right. It's not right at all. It, it's it's the opposite of being a good reenactor. It's not right at all. It's harassment and it's bullying. Um, you know, you wouldn't find somebody in a in a squash club or a tennis club um, and search out the new member and tell them that their backhand was absolutely shit, would you? You know, you wouldn't do it in any other kind of hobby out there. You know, imagine being in some sort of fishing club and telling them that you know, that they had a really shit rod and they were going to catch nothing. It wouldn't happen. It just wouldn't happen. So why do people feel the need to do it in this hobby? I don't understand it.
1: Yeah. I think um, it's funny um, that you bring that up because a couple of friends that I talked to all brought that exact same thing up. Be respectful. Mm. Yeah. Um, Be kind. Um, You know, don't tear others down. If you've got to tear somebody down and it makes you feel good, Uh, you don't belong in my unit Great, Um, and it should be like, Hey, you know, your effort is outstanding effort. Mm -hmm. You know, would you like some feedback? Mm -hmm. Um, Appreciate you being here. We want to, you know, we want to help, you know, how can I help you? Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, that's, that's what the old, the old, I use old timers in quotes because you Mm can be, you know, uh, a lot of, a lot of, uh, folks that we know are are young but they've been in the hobby a while and, and they've got mm-hmm. a wealth of knowledge you know, the folks that have been around for a while I think they have a responsibility mm-hmm. to do that and if you don't feel that sense of responsibility you don't belong in the unit I'm in that's just yeah. kind of how I, I feel and um uh, i I haven't experienced a lot of bullying myself but then again I'm a you know i i I am who a I tough am. Son of a bitch, man! Uh, a tough
0: son of a bitch. That's what <laughs> we're gonna say. <laughs>
1: well, you know, um, but I have seen it and um, and heard about it, and um, it's one hundred percent unacceptable. Mm. And um, uh, I've told some of my friends that have experienced. I was like, "Take that to unit leadership, and, and if they don't do anything about it, you need to find a new unit." Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because nobody deserves to be bullied. Um, yeah, in this day dear. and age, it's just a little. It's just a load of shit.
0: Yeah, and it's, often, it's it's often the most knowledgeable people, which is the most frustrating thing. Because I think ultimately, what we would all love is to to see a hobby which is full of incredible, fantastic impressions that nobody has to complain about. You know, or or, or is it? Because I, I do I do think that there is there's a degree of sort of, or I like to call sort of bring down merchants in the hobby, and you know, people who who like to when people have maybe reached milestones in in their reenacting career whatever it might be will purposefully look to to bring people down and as you say it's approaching people in the right way and not just bringing them down in their moments of triumph success or happiness um right. and it's it's just you know like you mentioned it's, it's being available to help them you know see the growth potential that they've got um i think the other big thing is that like nobody is your competition in this hobby you know there isn't there's this odd sense of competition in the hobby i think if you know if you are a group that's always done Let's just say early, World British infantry, and another group springs up. There's this immediate sense of rivalry about who's better, and it's just like it really doesn't fucking matter. Like it really doesn't. Nobody, <clears throat> nobody is your competition. And if you go back to that passionate, and ded- passionate, and dedicated bit, you know, if you you have that passion and dedication for the hobby, then you should be happy that other people are doing it well because it it really doesn't matter. You know, if if another ten guys have got an impression just as good as yours, who cares? Do stuff together you know, form a That's super group. And, like 100%. Yeah. Like it really doesn't matter. 100%. So I think people just need to quit the jealousy and, you know, help try to improve the yeah. standards that we all constantly talk about because everybody wants to improve the standards, but then, you know, we're also the first to bring people down who are starting to do quite well. So on the opposite side of things, people are starting to do well, we will still yeah. pick holes in them. And it's like, let's just stop I, doing that. So, think, you know,
1: I think the only competition you have in living history is yourself.
0: Mm hmm. Agreed. Yourself and you your get own better? group, really. Yeah, yeah.
1: Right. You know how do you, how do you guys how do you get better yourself, and then how do you help your group get better? And then um, you know if somebody doesn't want to get better, then you have a conversation with them as mm-hmm. an adult. Um, don't don't make snide remarks, or mm. um, you know don't comp- don't comment on their physical appearance. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, I think um, some of my friends that I talk to are are women reenactors and um, the misogyny is, is there um, and it's, and it's pretty bad. And, Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it gets, gets my goat, gets me riled up. And um, Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's something that, fits into that too and don't be a dick it's that's an all-around thing don't be a dick yeah, to anybody
0: completely completely just just be a nice guy just treat people how you would like to be treated. Yeah. um nobody was was born uh a very knowledgeable um and and rich in in military history uh yeah. you know nobody was born that way we all learn, and we've all been there at some point. so just having that yeah. openness i guess to to respect where people are currently out in their in their reenacting Journeys as well, and um, that that brings us nicely onto sort of the next and uh, the sort of final element that the uh, that the reaction community pointed out, which was very much an acceptance of, of criticism and a, and a desire to learn. Which sort of follows on from that last bit there. If you've had that uh, approach from people and that level of education, then it's about you know being on the receiving end of that and receiving it well.
1: I I think feedback is a gift. Um, and good
2: way of look at it. Yeah.
1: I think. I think. But it's also a double-edged sword, you know. If mm-hmm. you're going to give feedback, think about the feedback you're going to give and how you're going to deliver mm-hmm. it. Um, don't say, "Oh, your kit shit." Well, that's not helping me. That's not feedback. That's being a jerk. But mm-hmm. you know, ask questions and then provide be provide that feedback in a mm-hmm. in a constructive manner, and be mm-hmm. willing to ask for it. Mm-hmm. You know, particularly okay. when you're not so knowledgeable around something. Um, reach out and ask for it and, Mm -hmm. um, go to an event. If you're at an event and you see somebody that is doing their impression well, um, engage with them and and understand, um, how they got to that level and -hmm. and then seek feedback from them. Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. I think that's always
1: a, a really good thing
0: completely agree and i think it's you know i get it i i've, I've been there on the receiving end of feedback and feeling deflated because it, it's hard right when you know if you are fairly new to the hobby or you've started a new impression and your knowledge might not be there you've you maybe rushed that research like we mentioned earlier you're all excited you've spent a lot of money perhaps done a little bit of research but not enough you've tried it on for the first time you've put it out there and somebody gives you feedback and that feedback might actually be constructive and, and delivered in a in a in a reasonable way but your reaction still might be that of you know if you take things personally especially if we meant like we mentioned earlier if you've got that passion and dedication for something it's it's going to hit you right in the field you know if uh if someone yeah. says to you yeah, well. that that that's wrong and you because the other thing as well is right you know let's just say that you're i don't know you're 18 years old you're at university or your first job and you've got a very low income um you know comparatively with with a lot of others in the hobby and you've you've spent three four five months trying to save up for that bit of webbing and you have bought it you have put it on and suddenly you realize it's post-war or whatever it might be and someone's tore you down like that that's a real kick in the teeth you know Mm -hmm. you know for for your feelings really if you've if you waited that long and yes people might have needed to research or do this or do that but um so i guess it is just if you are in that situation it's about understanding the lessons learned from from that feedback really and and having that maturity and openness to receive the criticism with grace and an open mind to at least consider the improvements at least if you don't make them at least consider them you know and and be aware of it i think
1: and i I think i think it's the converse is true is to be able to deliver feedback with grace Mm -hmm. um is important um like you said you know you got that 18 19 year old right out of school or in their first job and they're they're trying to put that basic impression together and um is to realize that you know we were all once 19, 18 19 year olds putting our basic impression together and we got poor feedback mm-hmm. and uh or feedback was delivered poorly and mm-hmm. to to um to to accept that i think one of the i was at an event last year year before last. it's it was probably pre-pandemic, but um, feels like last year. Um, mm-hmm. uh, an older guy um, who'd been in the not only has he been in the hobby, but was actually older than me. He came up, put his hand on my shoulder, and goes, "Hey, are you, are you open to some feedback?" And I'm like, "That's all he asked." I said, "You bet. What can you? You know, how can you help me? And or what do you have for me?" Um, and it was positive feedback. You know, just like you look great. That's also important to do mm-hmm. if you're going to give feedback. Sure. Also Good. give good feedback and, and, um, even if you're going to give feed, constructive feedback, you know, start out with something good, give them the, the, the feedback in the middle <laughs> and then, yep. Yeah, and then end it with something good as well. You know, I always, um, mm-hmm. I try to do that. Um, that's how I like feedback. And, mm-hmm. um, and I always appreciate feedback and, um, it's tough sometimes. It's, you, you're right. It you is, know, your feelings yeah. will get hurt. Mm-hmm. But, but you just you just, know, you there just no explained to it. Put on those adult pants.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, the big boy nappies. Um, but you just explained it yeah. in a fantastic way. The, the way you responded to that guy there is is something which I think is, is would be very very uh, difficult to find in the UK. I think many people would tell somebody to sling the hook, or you know, in a, probably in a bit more aggressive manner. But there's definitely definitely lessons <laughs> to learn there. Lessons to learn, and, and and beyond what the public um, have mentioned there, the audience have men, uh, mentioned. There's, there's quite a few other things that i that sort of made a note of as well and, and one of the things that i i sort of questioned and, and I've, I've got my own views on it as well at the moment is do you think these this day and age lands that um in order to be a good reenactor does a strong social media and digital presence matter does the kind of content that you put out on social media matter to be a good reenactor?
1: Yes and no. I'm going to waffle on that one. Hit me. And, and the reason I'm going to waffle on that is um, some people aren't good at it. Mm-hmm. True. You know, I think, but they're on social media. So I mm-hmm. think um, maybe it's the social media you consume mm-hmm. is part of it. Um, True. Uh, I'm no longer on Facebook um, just because it would just make me angrier than angry. Um I've thought about getting back on Facebook just for the reenacting community, uh, but I haven't done it yet. Um, but uh, I, it, it depends. And I think it also depends on, um, I don't, don't want to sound ageist, but your age.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, not not I'm, I, yeah, I'm not completely. Yeah, I'm pretty good with Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm a visual person. I, I mm-hmm. like I like my cameras. Um, I know you, you're um, you know, you're okay with a camera, um, but uh, and visually, but you know, there's some folks that aren't, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, some people prefer an email. Uh, mm-hmm. It's interesting. The, the group I'm in, we still have a, a newsletter that gets mailed out, the mm-hmm. snail mail bimonthly, yeah, um, which I appreciate. Um, I would appreciate it just as much as it was digital, but I appreciate that. And because we have some some folks that um, uh, are older mm-hmm. um, and that's how they prefer their 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 uh, information. So I think it's about delivering the information mm-hmm. you want to deliver to the right audience and doing yeah. it the way they expect to consume it. Mm-hmm.
0: it's It's a very interesting Here's my long
1: long winded. I was
0: pretty short Lance is pretty, pretty well wrapped up there, but yeah, it's something I've, I've tossed and turned with. And I, I think that my answer is that, you know, as the, the weeks months and years uh, passes by very, very quickly, I'm going to say that post pandemic, I, I think that a strong or at least an effort on social media, be it with your group or your personal reenacting profile, if you have one, you know, and not everybody does, but if you do have a reenacting one, for example, I I do think it's, it's, beginning to become something of important to be a sort of good reenactor because I and I, there's a few reasons for this because I think it's I think people attending events are going to come a little bit less I think it's it's slightly merging towards a more digital hobby and I think a lot of people are seeing that in this sort of this this virtual engagement of here's my impression online have a look at it and it's like this is to a degree this digital online version of events you know I know that I haven't been able to get to as many events this year for one reason or another, but I've also been able to partake in the hobby and sharing some new purchases, impressions and so on and so forth and still keeping some involvement there. So I, I think for that reason, I think it's, it's important, but I also think for secondary reasons, for educational purposes and beyond, you know, your, your reach as somebody on social media is, is the potential is far greater than it perhaps is just at an event as well. And I think it's, you know, to, to influence the hobby and to grow the hobby and to, to get people doing the right things. I think there's a, there's a degree of responsibility around social media too, I think. Um, and I think if you've not necessarily, I'm not talking about great content, I'm not expecting somebody to produce, you know, uh, Hollywood levels, cam video footage that, you know, some people out there are blessed <laughs> with those talents. But I think just, you know, almost just like a degree to keep the hobby rolling on, you know, with your own content, I think will become more increasingly important over the next few years.
1: I, th- I think you're if you don't have a so I think having a social media presence uh, or sort of me- social media presence is important for those reasons because you can interact in the hobby without having being able to make an event I know um, that is has sustained me through the pandemic uh, and will for the next couple of months because I have to mm-hmm. be very selective about what I do and where I go I think uh, I think the reenactors ramble is a great. Um, example of that of of extending the hobby when um, there was no way to to, mm-hmm. to get together and meet and things of that nature. I think it's very important that if it's part of your unit's mission, your group's mission to educate the public. It's not every group that is, you know. It mm-hmm. depends on what the their mission is is to educate your public to expand the hobby. Then, if you don't have, then there needs to be somebody in that group that is strong with social media Mm -hmm. that can either run it or coordinate it for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would agree with that. I think, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think posting content necessarily is, uh, is as important. Um, as being able to, uh, on the individual level as it mm-hmm. is, uh, on the group, group level. Completely. Yeah. Um, yeah, completely I agree. Th- yeah I think really good reenactment groups have a really strong social media Im- impression mm-hmm. or, or presence. Um, and that's how I found out or I find out about a lot of folks mm-hmm. that have yeah. event, event in Ohio.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the the folks that that are in southern california i think are fantastic um and and some other folks like that
0: yeah uh, i think definitely helps I think there is,
1: a, is important to it yeah.
0: yeah definitely i mean i've met so many people and found so much kit and been invited to so many events as a result of just connecting with people on social media and i think that's that's why i think it's yeah. important because the power of it just helps to uh, to improve those things as well um one of the things as well, and i you know, we'll, we'll come back to yourself as well. And to see if, you know, I'm sure you've got probably a few other bits and bobs on there. I think a, a big one for me is about um, trying to be as self-sufficient as you, you possibly can at an event, um, you know, from, from when I've been involved in organizing events and especially over the, the upcoming weeks, it's, it's stressful and it's, it's difficult for the organizers when it's just constant, you know, people won't let you know if they're an attending event or, you know, what, kind of car they've got when we need to provide that information for support vehicles um you know you bring in tents for people and people can't just say if they need a tent you know it's like just either try and be self-sufficient in having your own camping living uniform equipment or if you can't be self-sufficient in that way which sometimes happens because again you might might be your first time doing a british impression you might be an american reenactor you're not going to have your tents that sort of stuff just yet that's absolutely fine but you know i think trying to be self-sufficient and if you can't be self-sufficient in terms of bringing those kinds of things, you know, cause there's nothing worse than somebody who uh, in my opinion anyway, who perhaps doesn't bring anything but a rucksack and, you know, half a uniform borrows the rest of the kit, borrows a tent, borrows a weapon. Um, and then, you know, lasers about all weekend and doesn't really offer anything. You know, that, that was sort of grinds my gears a little bit because there's a level of appreciation for me. If someone lends you uh, valuable equipment or goes to the efforts of, you know, making sure a tent is is sound and leak proof and whatnot, and brings it down for you to sleep in for the weekend, that sort of stuff. So I think if you can't be self sufficient, then I think at least being very appreciative to the people um, that do lend you equipment. You know, there's there's nothing worse than also being at an event and you know you turn around and maybe one of your weapons is being given to a member of the public and they're, they're playing around with it and jamming it, and it's just sort of a bit like. Hang on, you know, that weapon might be worth twelve hundred pounds and if that weapon breaks, yeah. that you you've just handed to little little Jimmy, uh, you know, who's paid five pounds to get to the event. You know, little Jimmy or you aren't gonna give the person the twelve hundred pounds for that weapon if it breaks. So, you know, if you can't be self so yeah. sufficient and provide those things, if you're borrowing things, then at least, you know, show levels of, of gratitude and and uh, I guess care for those items as well.
1: I I I I, I would agree to that um wholeheartedly. I think um. There's there's also something about being self-sufficient and and mm. you know not necessarily having to to rely on folks. Um, I've planned events. It, it's difficult
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, getting people. You're going to have people who bow out last minute, who want to come last minute. You're going to have mm-hmm. people to go. Yeah, I'm coming, but I need X, Y, and Z. Oh, oh, okay. Um, so i've always strived to be self sufficient part of me part of it is i, I want to own it all i want to have everything right yeah, i got to yeah, have everything um you know that obsession with it um and then um uh, uh but not everybody has the ability to to mm-hmm. or the finances to to acquire that and i don't have a problem loaning things out mm-hmm. but to your point when you loan it out it's a loan you're borrowing it agree okay. you know t- treat it with care Mm-hmm. accidents happen if you damage a piece of web gear or tear a pair of pants um i'm gonna understand but there needs to be a level of like i'm sorry i broke this how can mm-hmm. i make it better I, i've had Absolutely. it happen a couple of times um where i had a, a some original tent poles for a pup tent um broken and and because the guy was shooting. Needed a he needed a half of a pup tent was staying with me, ended up imbibing too much and Brett um, kicked the tent pole and broke it in the middle of the night and there was you know no word on it and I'm just like it wasn't expensive but I'm never loaning you anything yeah. again completely um, because I don't you're not going to treat it with respect and, and the care yeah. that it deserves yeah. completely um, for sure. Definitely.
0: And is there anything else on your list, Lance, that, that would uh, tick the box of a, of a strong, good
2: reenactor, in your <sighs> opinion? Guinness.
1: Um, Guinness. 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 Um, you know, uh, we, we, we've, we've danced around it and touched on it, but just an eagerness to learn
2: mm-hmm.
1: and to keep learning yeah. throughout without your whole reenactor experience, whether you're just getting into the hobby or you've mm-hmm. been in the hobby, you know, as long as I have 30 plus years. Um, mm-hmm. and it, it's important to, to maintain that. And then, um, also realize what's okay to take a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know?
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Knowing your limits. I think <laughs> I would definitely echo that. And I think my, my last sort of parting thing, I think for, for my sort of, um, top Trump, uh, some sort of attributes really test would be would be just just being a you know a, a good person to be around socially at an event yeah. you know because it's it's a hobby we don't need to be there together we're not forced together by work or you know contractual agreements we're there because it's a hobby that we're like-minded people and it's it's not the kit that makes the events it's not always a location most of the time primarily it's the people that you're with and i think that can be the difference between a good event and in in an insane event. And when you come back and you think I've been away with some of the best people I've ever met in my life, they're the best events. So I think just, you know, just being a a good guy, or girl to be around, you know, socially, um, enthusiastic happy you know not draining positive um uplifting you know fun to be around and that doesn't mean you know i'm not talking about like getting pissed and buying people drinks but just just being general good fun you know and being supportive to those you don't know be w- inviting mm-hmm. warm welcoming um you know if, if there is that new person there or somebody who's maybe been a little bit left out go and speak to them I, you know i've been that guy at a pub with with a lot of people i don't really know and feeling a little bit left out and you know if you, if you spot that guy or girl then you know, just bring them into the conversation a little bit. I think that, that for me, I think it's probably more important than any of that there, but it's just about, you know, making people feel welcome and, and, and just human and being mm-hmm. just generally nice to people. Really?
1: Yep. I, I, I totally agree. There's, um, there's no reason to be a jerk about any of this. No. Yeah. You know? And, uh, the more people that you reach out to and you welcome in, the more mm-hmm. we're going to grow the hobby and just make it better. Exactly. And, and Maybe make we, it better.
0: Or do we do the opposite, Land? Like maybe we should have flipped this episode on its head and gave loads of, of people advice on how to be a good reenactor, but bad advice, so they all leave the hobby, all the kit is free, and then we could have bought it all. That might, what might have been a a better, perhaps, strategy. We need to think about these a little bit more. I think. Yeah,
1: yeah, we don't. Yeah. yeah.
0: How to be a good reenactor? Sell all of your equipment right now for very cheap because none of you need it.
1: Yes, that's all it goes on, Richie. That's the last one,
0: <laughs> definitely. Well, you know, for everybody listening, you now have a checklist. If you want to be the best, awesome re worldwide, then you've got it. You know, all you have to do is is follow those steps and just a quick summary of those steps and not just voted for by Lance and I, by uh, over 100 um, audience listeners out there. So just very, very quick recap. Uh, We had, if I'm just trying to find my list, it was very much about knowledge and uh, having a strong impression that was based on research passion and dedication, approachability, friendliness and humility and acceptance of criticism and a willingness to learn. So do all of those things, people, and you will be an excellent reenactor on top of the Trump's card pile as well. So thank you so much for listening, everybody. Uh, It's a wonderful, wonderful summer's evening, sunset here. I'm going to go and enjoy another little tipple in the garden, reading another book, I think. So whatever you're doing, wherever you're doing it, have a wonderful day, evening, morning, weekend, whatever time it is, wherever you are. And we'll speak to you all again very, very soon. Thanks again uh, for listening. And Lance, thanks very much for joining me again. My pleasure. No problem. Take care again, guys. Bye Bye